Hello, Ecclesia. It's Pastor Sean, and I want to welcome you to our Advent podcast. Over these next four weeks, as we celebrate Advent, we want to welcome you and invite you into an experience of God. That in this crazy, mixed up world that we are in, we want to be present to the fact that God is doing something big and beautiful, joyful and hopeful. And so over the next several weeks, you're going to hear lots of voices from our community, lots of music. You're going to hear from some of our friends. And we want you to slow down and spend some time in these podcasts, maybe with friends or family or your small group, that even though we are disconnected in so many different ways, like we have never been before, that we are still connected in heart and purpose and meaning and direction, and that God is doing something, not only in our world and not only in our individual hearts, but in our community, that we are one flesh called together to participate in God's reconciling work in the world. And so even in the darkness of a time that is unlike any that we've lived through before, we call our attention once again this year to the power of Jesus' coming and the hope that it provides. And so it is our prayer for you, for your family, for your friends and neighbors, that they will, that we will together experience God in fresh and new ways, this God who is always coming into our lives to break up our monotony and predictability and to deliver us from a world that has been misshapen. And so, Ecclesia, as Jesus comes this Advent season, may we turn our eyes again to a star of hope leading us to a loving Savior. God bless.
You know, I was never a beach person. I'm a mountains person. If I could choose a vacation destination, it would always be the mountains. Growing up in the American South, I've had more than my fill of heat, and I've had more than enough beaches. But here I am, this Thanksgiving week, at the beach. Worse, I'm not supposed to be in the mountains either. Last Christmas, my wife Rochelle and I took a flyer. We decided to take our family this Thanksgiving to Paris, France. I say that because when I tell people that we were planning on going to Paris, they always ask me if it was Paris, Texas. It's always been a dream of our daughters to go to Paris, to go to France. And this week, we were supposed to have private tours of the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, you know, all the sites that you think of when you think of Paris. I paid for a long photography tour to snap photos of all of these incredible villages and churches around Paris. I had visions of waking up early every morning and going for runs around the city and fueling those runs with all kinds of pastries and coffee every day. One of my favorite writers is Ernest Hemingway. We spent a good bit of his life, he spent a good bit of his life traipsing around Paris. I started reading about Hemingway's time in Paris and all the places and the people who inspired him when we decided to take this trip. It was going to be great. But now, we're not going. We're not there. I'm an American, which means during COVID, I'm not going anywhere. My oldest daughter feels the blow of disappointment three times a week when she sits in her French 4 class, wondering if she'll ever get to ask a real Parisian for directions to the closest bathroom and really need to say it and to hear it right. Like many of you, COVID-19 has kept my family close to home. So here I am at the beach. Because that's where we can get to. What's more, COVID-19 has kept our extended family close to their homes. So here we are, just the four of us, me, Rochelle, our two daughters, making lemonade. I bet the same is true for many of us. We're all just muddling through. And we have been for a long time now. When the coronavirus first coughed ashore in America, most of us knew we were in for a tough time, but we had resolve and confidence that we'd push through. It was hard to get our kids through school and to learn to work from home at the same time. It was disappointing to reimagine the summer when many of us were looking forward to family vacations, trips abroad, kids at camp, and no one quite understood what getting back to school was going to look like when fall came. But here we are now on the doorstep of Christmas, and COVID fatigue is high. Not only is COVID fatigue high, but is there any other time in the year so deeply and profoundly rooted in traditions? Traditions because of COVID that we can't keep? Is there any other time in the year so connected to doing the same thing this year that we did last year and the year before that. My favorite tradition, and uh, truthfully, I don't have too many traditions other than um, opening up presents um, 
that's been consistent from my whole life. But um, when I was able to get a full-size Christmas tree, I moved from a little apartment in Montrose to a, um, a, a house that we started buying full-grown uh, live Christmas trees. So every year, me and my daughter um, go for a drive, checking out the um, little uh, Christmas tree shopping areas and um, and go through the Christmas the different um, trees that they have. Um, she basically gets to pick out the tree that we want. I just go along and suggest the um, most inexpensive one. Um, but that's the funnest part is pulling out the trees, kind of um, like fluffing them up like a pillow, and then spinning them around and looking at them and just getting it a good feel for what it looks like. And, um, and yeah, so getting the tree together and then we load it on top of my car, and then we take it back to our little apartment. So that is one of the sweetest times of the year uh, for me, not for just Christmas, but uh, just of the year to get to spend that um, quality time with her. So now that she's away at college, I have to wait until she gets back from college, but we still go through the whole process. And it's um, something I look forward to each and every year. Two weeks before Christmas, I would go and get brand new shoes, brand new clothes, along with my brother, and we would dress up to go to church. And along the way, as we are going to church, my parents let us know that we were able to open up a Christmas present after midnight service. So my brother and I were just so excited that we were going to be able to open up a present before Santa Claus came. So as we proceed to go to church, we are not involved in anything that's going on. Our minds are triggered by just going into opening up our presents. So we did. We go home and we enjoy um, with our parents opening up one gift, but that was just not enough. Never did I realize as we we're opening up these gifts that one day I would open up the best gift that God could ever give me which would be Jesus Christ. The Christmas celebration that stands out most in my mind was our first. 31 years ago, Jackie and I had our first Christmas. She was raised Jewish, so never had that celebration on Christmas morning. And she pulls on my pajamas and says, Santa Claus has come, Santa Claus has come. And we race out into the living room for her first opening of Christmas packages. It was childlike. It was beautiful. And may the beauty and the mystery that surrounds Christmas continue to be with your family. One of my favorite Christmas traditions growing up was always going and looking at Christmas lights. Every year, my family would pick a Wednesday before church, and we would drive around a super posh neighborhood looking at Christmas lights. And depending on what the weather was like that day, because I grew up in Houston, we would either go to Starbucks ahead of time and get hot chocolate, or we would go to Sonic and get cherry limeades. It was always such a special time. We would roll down the windows and blare Christmas music while we went and looked at lights. And I really look forward to continuing that tradition with my son, who is seven weeks old now and loves to look at lights. So I'm really looking forward to looking at lights with him this year and in the years to come. Because our Thanksgiving was severed from our family's typical traditions, I offered my girls a twist I thought might be fun. 
Instead of having turkey, dressing, hash brown casserole, chocolate chip pecan pie, and all the other typical trappings of the Palmer Thanksgiving meal, let's go with non-traditional foods that we like, but for this very non-traditional Thanksgiving. You would have thought I spit on Santa Claus. There's a rhythm to our holiday, the same food, the same movies, the same playlist after Santa comes in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, every year, every time. I asked the girls if they wanted something different this year, maybe to mix it up, do things differently. Again, spit meets Santa Claus. My daughters are 17 and 13. They are not stodgy or old or stuck in the mud. They are not traditionalist in any old world sense, but they are grounded in traditions. Advent is the beginning of the Christian year, that season where we prepare and wait with anticipation the coming of Jesus into the world. I like that there is a Christian calendar. It gives me a sense of rhythm and tradition, focusing my heart and mind on what's important to the world and to me personally. Tradition, as you've heard others earlier talk about, is so crucially important to forming us as people, but what do we do when time and circumstance force us to reshape and remold the traditions that have been so meaningful to us? Well, do you remember the story of Nehemiah? The Israelites are taken into captivity, and after a very long time, generations even, Nehemiah asked the king if he can take a crew of people back to Israel, and when he gets there, the city and the walls of the city are in ruins. Then Nehemiah determines to rebuild part of the wall of the city. In chapter 8 of Nehemiah, after an important part of the wall is built, they all get together for what? A worship service. Ezra and some other leaders get up and read from the law of Moses. It takes all day. The crowd starts to get bored. And then in verse 8, the Levites, the priests, decided that what they needed to do was explain what was happening in the reading. You'd think that this would be a great moment. We've been standing out here all day listening to folks jabber on and read, and finally someone decided that since we haven't been able to read the Law of Moses for hundreds of years, and since we haven't been a worshiping community for hundreds of years, it might be a good idea for someone to explain what's going on. Like, wouldn't that be great? Nope. It wasn't great. What did people start to do when they heard the law of Moses and the explanation of the law of Moses? They cried. They wept. Now, a lot of pastors and theologians use this story to beat people up about sin and shame, though I've rarely met people who are out of touch with their own sin. And this story says zero, nothing, nada about sin. Sin is not why these people are crying. The book of Nehemiah is not about the people's sin. The book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding and restoration. The Israelites are crying. Because when they hear the law of Moses, a word from God that their ancestors would have heard all the time at events like this, when they stand in the midst of a city being rebuilt, perhaps for the first time, they are coming to terms 
with all that they have lost. Maybe like me, maybe like you, they are seeing all that time, place, and circumstance has robbed them of. So what's next? What do Nehemiah and Ezra and the leaders of God's people say to them? They say, this time is holy. This day is holy. Do not mourn and weep. Well, I just figure that Nehemiah and Ezra missed this day in pastoral counseling class because one of the first things you learn is not to invalidate people's feelings. They are weeping, Nehemiah. Why are you telling them not to cry, you gaslighter? But then Nehemiah says this. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So instead of crying, go throw a party. So the people went and ate and drank and had a party. But what catches me isn't that the people went and had a party. What catches me is why. The scriptures say, because they had understood the words declared to them. And that's why Nehemiah said what he said. Nehemiah is not invalidating their experience. He is calling them into a fuller story. Yes, this story is not about the exile. It's not sin. The story is about God and about a God who is in the perpetual business of rebuilding and restoring. And when that God is your God, it's almost always a time to celebrate. It is Advent. And from the first Advent until now, the tension has been real and unavoidable. We live in a mixed up, fractured, broken world. The scorching heat of the world's brokenness pops up and erupts at different times in different places for different people. And what we are experiencing this year, well, that's just ours to hold. Others before us have had theirs. Yet hope endures. We are weary people in a weary world, fatigued by COVID, corruption, elections, and anxieties. And that's precisely why Advent exists. Our traditions have grounded us in the fact that each day, as we weep, another world is breaking into this world. Like a thief in the night, just when we think we've got our world all arranged and protected, goodness enters to spoil our predictability. So this Advent, we again look for joy, for peace, for love, and embrace what we have always embraced. A thrill of hope. God be with you, Ecclesia. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. A thrill of the weary world rejoices For yonder breaks 
Thanks for listening to our Advent podcast today. We hope it is a blessing on your Advent journey. We want to remind you of some more opportunities to participate with our community in this Advent season. Our Wine to Water fundraiser for Living Water International will be Thursday, December 10th in the evening. It'll be a virtual only event this year and registration will close on Monday, December 7th. So please check our website to register for that. 
Our Christmas Eve services will be in the style of our outdoor even songs gatherings. Uh, some of those times and more information are still to be determined, but we'll get that out to you soon. So be looking for that. And then a reminder of our uh, Be Still gatherings on every Tuesday evening at 9 o'clock p.m. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to engage some contemplative practices, and uh, they have been a great blessing to many throughout this pandemic season. We hope that it can also be a blessing to you in this Advent season. Thanks again for joining us. Dwell in peace. <laughs>